The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. And welcome in, everybody, to the final edition for the month of August of the podcast as we get ready for the World Unification Lightweight Showdown. Vasily Lomachenko getting ready to put his WBA and WBO lightweight titles on the line. The vacant WBC belt at 135 up for grabs against England's Luke Campbell in London, O2 Arena. That's the main event on Saturday evening as part of Matchroom Boxing's card, top rank boxing as well. It will be on ESPN Plus app in the United States. Sky Sports will have things on pay-per-view in the UK and Europe. So uh, we're anxious to see what Lomachenko will be able to do in that fight. We'll be talking a lot about it here on the podcast. And wherever uh, you're joining us, thank you for doing so. We look forward to going uh, across the Atlantic to the UK to David Payne. Always love his insight. Frequent guest here as part of Big Fight Weekend. David, the boxing writer on social media, as well as boxingwriter.co.uk. Great insight into the fight game in particular with the British angle, the the UK angle. And Luke Campbell, obviously an up-and-coming lightweight contender, the number one contender for the WBC belt. Does he really have a chance against Lomachenko, who's regarded as one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in all of boxing, if not the best? That's the main event. Uh, Also, Huey Fury, the younger brother of Tyson Fury, heavyweight contender showdown with Alexander Povetkin, who held a portion of the heavyweight championship back a couple of years ago, has failed a couple of drug tests. The Russian, uh, an opponent that lost to Anthony Joshua. Let's see what happens on the uh, co-feature there with Fury and Povetkin coming up in London before that Lomachenko-Campbell main event. We're going to spend some time on this podcast talking about Sergey Kovalev. Is he fighting at 175 in the light heavyweight division against Canelo Alvarez next? It sure seems that way. We'll lay about. We'll lay out uh, exactly what uh, the scenarios are after Kovalev's thrilling uh, comeback win last week where it looked like he was almost going to be stopped in the eighth round of his world title defense in his hometown in Russia. Anthony Yard, speaking of the UK, from England, had him on the ropes, had him in trouble, but an experienced uh, Yard, an, an under-trained uh, Yard, didn't spar enough, didn't didn't have enough tactical uh, edge to be able to put Kovalev away, enough want to, and Kovalev rallied and stopped Yard in the 11th round with the TKO. So we're going to talk a lot about that fight. Keith Eidek will be here from BoxingScene.com to talk about the near upset of Kovalev and the light heavyweight champ now getting ready to maybe fight Canelo Alvarez. Finally, will Canelo be fighting on November the 2nd? Uh, Keith will have insight into why that date is so important from DAZN's standpoint, the streaming service that has the massive deal with Canelo Alvarez. So uh, Keith will be talking to us about that uh, here in our conversation and about the prospects of Canelo and Kovalev and what kind of shot does Kovalev have on an eight-week turnaround. Just fought last weekend, would be fighting again November 2nd coming up. Then later in the podcast more insight from Marquise Johns bigfightweekend.com his thoughts on Kovalev Yard his thoughts in the preview mode as well prediction mode on Lomachenko and Campbell and also the premier boxing champions card this weekend in Minnesota uh, that will be part uh, of uh, their show their main event that has Irslandi Lara the Cuban American uh, taking on Ramon Alvarez um, in a 160 pound bout uh, that'll be coming up, actually 168, I believe, uh, that that one will be coming up. So look forward to talking with Marquise Johns about that, get his thoughts on everything going on with BigFightWeekend.com. So again, jam-packed podcast here 
Going to talk a lot about Lomachenko and Campbell as obviously the biggest fight of this weekend and what's going to happen down the road with Kovalev and that matchup with Canelo Alvarez. Before we get to the interviews and the conversation, new sponsor here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast is my bookie. And obviously we're crossing sports. Yes, we've got boxing, but we've also got football, college football this weekend, NFL football starting next week. My bookie wants you to know it's a new football season, but whether it's football, it's boxing, whether it's anything going on, baseball, uh, the presidential election, my bookie has something for everyone and and look i recommend them highly to you uh, because my bookie does several things well customer service standpoint you know this you bet you win and they pay with my bookie so again uh, utilize their service they have live in-game betting on all the games nfl uh, college uh, from the fight standpoint you can bet on these fights this weekend Uh, Again, they've got tremendous rewarding perks. But if you're a fantasy guy out there, you can bet the under over on your fantasy players' performances on the weekend. And we've got a special promo code offer for part of the audience here on Big Fight Weekend. Uh, You can get up to a $1,000 reward bonus. You'll get your bonus doubled on your first deposit with the promo code WEEKEND. For Big Fight Weekend, use that promo code WEEKEND. And my bookie will match up to $1,000 for you to wager bonus money. First deposit, bonus money for a first deposit user. Again, go to my bookie online today, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Use the promo code WEEKEND, whether you're betting on the football, the college football all weekend, the boxing, the NFL next week. You bet, you win, you get paid with my bookie. The promo code is WEEKEND for that first deposit bonus. All right, we've got all of that out of the way. Let's get back to the conversation about the fights, including Lomachenko Campbell, the main event, the lightweight title bout in London on Saturday. Some insight into that and much more with our guests. Let's get started. Trying to figure it all out and getting ready for Lomachenko and Campbell. That is the Saturday night event in the UK at the O2 Arena in London. Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, World Lightweight Championship fight. We're going to get insight on that. And the Kovalev victory last weekend over another Brit, Anthony Yard, and what the implications are on that. I love the insight of the boxing writer, David Payne, who is in England over in the UK, and he's back with me on Big Fight Weekend. Uh, How are you feeling as we head to the final weekend here of August, and, and we've got one of the premier lighter weight fighters in the world in the UK fighting a main event Saturday night, sir? Oh, very excited, TJ. Um, good evening, everyone. Yeah, it's uh, it's tremendous when we get an all-time great, as I'm sure Lomachenko is going to prove to be um, on British shore. So it's a it's a very special weekend for for fight fans here in the UK, and it's uh, it's nice that we're seeing him um, in something resembling his prime. Often, when these superstars visit the UK, they tend to be on the the other side of the hill. But in Lomachenko's case, where we're hoping that he's uh, he's in his prime and we're going to see the best of him because it's uh, it's great to witness someone like him here. All right, more on that in a couple of moments and and uh, and what chance does Luke Campbell truly have to beat him? Let's back up to last Saturday night in what was I'll describe it a valiant uh, performance by Anthony Yard, who is a raw, unbeaten, kind of unheralded light heavyweight uh, contender. 
from the UK, uh, battled Sergey Kovalev, grizzled veteran, 36, although you and I chuckle with each other and everybody else, 36 doesn't seem that old anymore when they're talking <laughs> about Kovalev being a 36-year-old old man. Uh, but he had to battle, he had to hang in, he almost got himself stopped, Kovalev, in the eighth round. Then yards seemed to run out of gas, really, 10th round, 11th round, and Kovalev got the victory. Just a quick thought from you on what was an exciting, dramatic fight with Kovalev fighting in front of his hometown. And David, he was genuinely in trouble and perhaps on the verge of being upset in the in the home arena in Russia. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a good fight. Um, more competitive than I thought it was going to be. Um, the, the, the victor never looked in any real doubt, that said, apart from that eighth round that you mentioned. Um, yeah, there's so many strands of or so many things to take from that fight. Um, lots of things we kind of already knew and had confirmed that Kovalev isn't at his peak anymore um, and that Yard was inexperienced and so was his corner at that sort of level. But I think we also learned some new things. I think we learned that Yard with um, more conventional preparation, i.e. having some sparring, which his trainer is not an advocate of having any sort of sparring, <laughs> um, very, very rare that he spars, um, and he's been matched very soft until this point. Um, so with some better um, substance to his training camp and to to the opponents he faces before such a challenge again in the future, um, who's to say he might not become a champion, which would be remarkable. For hey, a let's, let's pick up, if, if I can interject, let's pick up on that yeah. point. It is so strange to hear he didn't really spar before a world championship fight That's i mean the, i yeah. mean the the equivalent in the united states for our fans is this would this would be like somebody getting ready to play in a baseball playoff game that hasn't been in a batting cage uh, for the last month, practicing on the, on their hitting, um, in uh, you know there, there's different sports where you would look you know in basketball it would be like not practicing shooting at the rim uh, for a week or two weeks before a big game. How can a just any fighter? How can a fighter go into a fight and try to uh, prevail upon the public that he's sharp or at his best when he hasn't been practicing essentially against a human being, moving target, trying to punch? That, that just seemed very odd. And doesn't that thinking have to change to some degree? Doesn't he have to be in there with sparring partners if he's ever going to get any better fundamentally? I think so. I, I think it's important. You mentioned the age thing. We're getting into an age when it's, uh, it's incumbent on us to ensure that we remain open-minded about the evolution of how things work um, and we can't stay stuck in the past. So you have to have an open mind about new approaches, about the fact that some guys are sparring a little less than they used to because we've got more knowledge about the damage that can do, the cumulative damage, etc. But without going off on that tangent, um, he would have had to break every convention that there has ever been in boxing to have won this fight, having barely sparred. So certainly not full open sparring. Um, it would have been remarkable. And as you say, it's it's difficult to, to give a context to what that actually means um, or, or a comparison. Um you can't you can't understand what it must be like to be hit to be to to struggle to avoid punches if all you're ever doing is is flashy combinations. For those who have not seen any of Anthony Yard or have not heard his trainer Tunde Ajay talk about his methods, he's kind of taken the um, 
the showreel stuff that Mayweather does and turned it into a complete philosophy in the sense of he does that remarkable repetitive pad work with those endless streams of combinations and repetitive combinations and they do that incessantly until the muscle memory is built up to the point that it just becomes a natural thing that that's the basis or the nub of his theory and that he's put together his unique system as he calls it which makes him sound a bit like a snake oil salesman it's that kind of <laughs> it's that kind of narrative that you know favorably you might view him as a bit of a maverick um, but less kindly you'd refer to him as a bit of a nut job because he's trying to <laughs> overturn all the history right. Of the last 120 years, about how you prepare a fight and, to win a championship fight. And if you watch that fight as it went on, fundamentally, again, I have not been in the ring, much less in world championship competition, but his angles were all off, especially as he fatigued on trying to be able to hit Kovalev. He looked like a fighter that doesn't practice this. How do you how do you prevail upon everybody that you're a great pianist, a, a great piano player, and you don't play the piano in preparation to practice? I'm about to go play some golf after we get done with our conversation. I can't rem- I can't believe that anybody would take me seriously if I would step out of the course and say, I haven't played, I haven't swung a club, I haven't tried to hit the ball for the last three or four weeks, but I'm going to step out right here and expect to shoot 70. Uh, it's, it's ju- it just well, numbs the mind. I think, yeah. I think the golf thing, maybe this is the closest thing you can find right, there is right. imagine, imagine imagine only ever practicing on a golf simulator so you're right. standing there with the perfect tee the perfect conditions and you're and maybe and maybe only practicing with one club the entire time yeah, on the simulator and now i've got to be expected to go out and hit the other 13 clubs and putt when i don't practice any of them you can't it's, it's just hard to fathom yeah, and, that, there's, uh, and there's no bunkers and there's no wind and there's and no water rain, right no yeah yeah so, so, on so i think it is a good so, so, i think so. it is a good uh, analogy on that so clearly i think we're in agreement that yard has to do something tactically differently so kovalev he's pretty, he, yeah go ahead sorry i was going to say but he but he did prove he did prove he had the substance and the metal for the challenge kind of emotionally physically yes. i know physically he tired but he took a lot of punishment he stayed in the fight one more punch in the eighth and we could be having a very yes. different conversation uh, these things would still be true but by the same token he came astonishingly close so you could make the case one more punch and he knocks out sergey kovalev great potentially hall of fame like heavyweight having had a dozen amateur fights and 17 knockover jobs as a pro, it would have been, an, he came very close to doing it. And I think he does have a future, but there has to be a review of, of, of how he approaches the opportunities that could present themselves in that future. Voice of David Payne, the boxing writer in the UK. You can find him at boxingwriter.co.uk. Writes up the fight game, the sweet science from a European, a British perspective, and I love his insight. One more on Kovalev, then I want to move on to Lomachenko and Campbell in the preview mode because I know I don't have you that much longer here in our conversation. Okay, uh, he gets the win. And he is now in line, possibly, maybe. Here we go again with Canelo Alvarez. Who's fighting? Who's he fighting now? When is he actually going to fight in the rest of 2019? So the the conversation here in the United States uh, and in Mexico, where Alvarez is, is the November second date is still certain that Alvarez wants to fight. Then they've reserved. Uh, everything in Las Vegas, DAZN, the streaming service, wants to broadcast it on that date. So if Kovalev is the opponent, that is essentially an eight-week turnaround, an eight, nine-week turnaround, whatever you want to deem fight week as. 
And so I say to you, how for a 36-year-old after that kind of grueling fight, how crazy and dangerous is that when the opponent is younger, when the opponent has been sitting back and training at his own convenience and hasn't been in a, in a real figurative war like that was before? David, what do you make of that? Because we don't, we don't know if that fight's going to come off, but right now the talk is this week, Kovalev's camp is fine with a two-month turnaround to be right back in there. Well, there's no way that Sergei Kovalev is going to walk away from the 10 million that he's going to earn for that fight, whether it's six weeks, eight weeks, or eight months. That if that's the next fight available to him, he'll do whatever it takes to get it because he'd need to, he'd need to fight two or three other guys to collect that kind right. of kind of uh, paycheck. And at 36, that's the biggest paycheck out there, and may prove to be the last big paycheck. Who knows? But he's so I, I'm not surprised that he's willing to do it, and I think just. Uh, Connecting the two stories, it's also important to remember that Yard was offered step-aside money so that Kovalev could fight Canelo next without the inconvenience of having to defend his title against Yard. And uh, Yard turned that down. Turned down a bill- the, the story goes a million. Uh, right. I don't know if it was sterling or dollars to 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 keep his chance. So it, that's been an inconvenient obstacle for Kovalev. But I think uh, Buddy McGirt said that they would return to training at the end of September, sort of a four or five week shortened camp and they would be ready to go um so that fight will happen be amazed if it doesn't the thing for the interest the other interesting knock-on for that is, is of course that if um canelo now fights 175 the prospects of him ever fighting at 160 again seem to now be a distant memory don't they? i can't i can't imagine he's going to come back down ever to 160 so we could see uh, the other guys having to populate the super middleweight division as a minimum if they're going to get access to that Canelo money. So the Triple G fight will probably be a super middleweight, one would think. But the uh, Kovalev-Canelo fight, I think is an interesting one, even though, as we've said, Kovalev showed signs of wear and tear. He is a naturally big guy, and he has got good technique and a thudding punch. So it's, it's, um, it's opportunistic, you might say, but still a brave step for Canelo, I think, to be willing to do it. Yeah, and we've got plenty of time to figure out if Canelo actually signs on. And to the point that you made, Kovalev made it clear that, hey, we were negotiating for this uh, possible Canelo fight, and they wouldn't step up and pay me. He essentially said this, reading between the lines. And I went ahead and made the commitment to fight in my hometown in Russia and put all of that into motion, and I wasn't going to put it aside when they came back to us again uh, about the deal. And now he's won his fight, Kovalev, and it makes him more marketable in the short term. So you can understand where he wants to make the money. I, I just I wonder how good of a fight it's going to be. We got time to debate that down the road. We think this is going to be a good one Saturday night, O2 Arena. See what I did there, David? A segue. We think this is going to be good Saturday night, or will it be another dominant performance by Vasali Lomachenko, the unified lightweight champion looking to add the WBC belt already to his WBO and WBA uh, lightweight championships. All right, let's put it to you. The The fans in the United States know a lot about Lomachenko. They know a little bit maybe about Luke Campbell. What kind of chance do you give Campbell to hang in, if not maybe pull a shocker in, in this one Saturday night for the lightweight title? I give Campbell a chance. Um, I, I can't uh, speak as highly of Lomachenko as I do and not back him to win despite the fact he's fighting a Brit so I'm not going to let the the geography come into it but Campbell is undoubtedly has a chance um he's a decorated amateur he's got physical advantages on his side he doesn't have high 
high mileage, as they say, despite the fact they're comparative in age. Um, and he has that home advantage for whatever that might be worth. Uh, partisan crowd of 17, 18, 20,000 fans down at the O2. So he definitely has a chance. I don't think he'll be intimidated by the prospect in the same way that some others have been. He's fought uh, away from home in a big fight against Linares and came remarkably close, closer than many people thought he could. Uh, and he has the tools to cause to cause um, Lomachenko problems. He's taller, naturally bigger. He's got good reach, uh, good technique, punches hard enough. Um, and yeah, he's, uh, I think he has a chance. I, I'm not going to back him to win, but I think it could be a very intriguing fight. And it will be a good test of... Um, of just how good Lomachenko is, because this is about as far as he's probably going to be able to go weight-wise, and Campbell's probably about as big a lightweight as he's going to come across. So it'd be a good indicator if he can come through this without unscathed. It's it's another meaningful scalp on his belt in what has been a remarkable career already. Yeah, and, and Lomachenko only with a few fights, relatively speaking. Uh, when you look at so many fighters back through the historical part of this that had to fight 30, 40, 50 times before they got a title shot, and Lomachenko's uh, first and second fights as professional, he's fighting for titles, and he's basically only fought title fights in his first 10, 15 fights of his career. So he's got the experience. He's the headliner. We'll see if the big upset happens uh, there. Uh, hey, hey! one more somewhat half-jokingly, somewhat serious. Are we ever going to get the B-sample result on <laughs> Dillian White's positive test, or are we going to have to enlist the new James Bond? Is the new James Bond movie, is 007 going to have to solve what happened to the other urine sample of Dillian White that either proves uh, that he did, in fact, test positive or cast more doubt if it's inconclusive that he tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs? I mean, I'm somewhat joking, but I'm somewhat serious that it's almost like if the conspiracy theorists want us to believe that you can do anything with money and pay people off it's almost like everybody's being paid to, to keep quiet and not test the b sample i think the, the the plot may be that they've got some super bad guy that's going to protect the b sample and uh, <laughs> perhaps daniel craig's got to jump over is it dr evil from austin it. powers with mr bigglesworth and the laser is it him that he's got he's got the b sample <laughs> under wraps are we even sure may, may maybe but um yeah it's well i think they're almost achieving what what the cynic in me could presume that they're trying to is to make it a non-story, to make the passage of time so long between the A sample and the B sample that we've all moved on with our lives, had a birthday and forgotten what it was all about, really. Um, <laughs> and there'll be some there'll be some friendly six-month suspension which he'll have almost served by the time the B sample's tested and it'll all be forgotten and he'll fight And in so March. then that's, here's the word really in the hope, United really States. You know right. this. Here's the word, sham. Then your testing program is a sham if that's what's going on, if you won't confirm it. So... I think the British, the British uh, Board of uh, Control, Boxing Board of Control, and others—they have a real credibility issue here. If somebody doesn't come forward and say it's been a month, it's been a month. Not, yeah. it's been six weeks well, almost. Where's well, the the, the boring? Yeah, the boring, the boring technical part of this, as far as I understand it, is that the B sample needs to be checked, and it needs to be done in the presence of. Um, Dillian and a representative of his choosing, probably some sort of scientist right. or medical, whatever. So that that's and it cannot be done without him. So they have to come up with a mutually agreeable time. Now, usually that would be conducted within a week, given the 
the pressing nature of the issue and the fact that he would presumably be determined to clear and, his name as soon as possible. And presumably if he thinks he's innocent and doesn't know what exactly. it's already going to reveal. Exactly. Indeed. Exactly. exactly. So so that is the issue in play. Now, the second technical uh, part um, is that the British Boxing Board of Control employ UCAD as their sole arbiter on these things, and they are therefore in their hands as to their process. So what the British Boxing Board of Control have done there, I believe, I'm correct in saying this, is that they pass the book in respect of who's legally liable for um, any claims against them. So that was the issue that um, brought a long hiatus in the Huey Fury and Tyson Fury stories where there was a prospect of UCAD being made insolvent by legal claims and therefore so much time passed that in the end elapsed the lapse period that it was agreed it would be backdated and so forth to avoid a very costly legal case. So, sorry to bore you with details, but that's the history that proceeds. So the British Boxing Board of Control are to somewhat detached, but of course it is ultimately their responsibility to license or ban, etc. fighters, uh, but they can only do so on the uh, say-so findings from UCAD. So I'm acutely aware of how bad this must look internationally, and I think it's a crying shame that the British Boxing Board of Control is having its name dragged through the mud by the process. But that is, in truth, what's happening. And um, it only adds to that thing that we spoke about, I think, last year, when um, fighters must get to the point where they slowly come around to just taking drugs because they presume everybody else is. And the, and the sanctions just aren't there if they're ever caught. So uh, we end up with a sport where we all just have tokenism and we just except by proxy that everybody's fighting on drugs and we just forget it as an issue. And I think that will be a terrible crime against the sport and against those fighters that give so much, honestly, and obviously the damage that they all accrue in the process. Yeah, no doubt. So maybe it's like Bond, shaken but not stirred on the B sample. We'll see if we ever get it on Dillian White and whether he gets in the heavyweight title picture uh, down the road. Uh, we're up on time here because I know you've got to go. We do as well. We'll see what happens with Lomachenko Campbell main event, London Saturday night, UK time Saturday afternoon, US time. Uh, David, uh, I always love the insight. Again, they can follow you at The Boxing Writer on Twitter. He's a great follow, folks, for the insight on the fights. Go to boxingwriter.co.uk to get his writings, his musings, and we love his insight here on the podcast. David, thank you. Uh, it's my pleasure, my pleasure. If any of the uh, American audience get the chance to watch the uh, Lomachenko-Campbell card, you'll notice Fury and Povetkin on the undercard, which obviously, as we mentioned, um, proves that a drugs test doesn't mean you can't earn millions. But the other thing, because I know uh, our, our compatriot... Um, Marquise likes the pointer towards someone on the undercard. So take a look at Joshua Boatze, a light heavyweight that's fighting on the undercard. Fantastic talent and one of the best British prospects out there. And you'll be hearing about him in the future. So chance to see Joshua Boatze. So take a look for that. But yeah, enjoy the chat as always, TJ. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you, sir. Be well. We'll be watching the fights. Thank you, David Payne. No problem. Big Fight Weekend also brought to you in part by FanVestWageringExchange.com. It is the stock market of sports. We look forward to the start of the pro football season next week. 
and they've got an absolutely free stock market style contest, weekly contests and season-long contests, cash prizes, free to enter. I want you to go to fanvestwageringexchange.com. Go to fanvestwageringexchange on social media to find out more. Free to sign up. They're in the preview mode right now, signing you up. The contests go live with weekly winners, season-long contests starting next week. Again, go to fanvestwageringexchange.com. Proud sponsors of what we're doing here as part of Big Fight Weekend. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Has been a little bit. It's been far too long, as a matter of fact, since I've gotten the chance to say hello and talk to Keith Eidick of BoxingScene.com. Senior writer, great columnist, great insight. We've had him on the Big Fight Weekend podcast before, and here he is to help set me straight on on what we have up in front of us uh, on the on the horizon with some fights, and in particular this weekend, Lomachenko Campbell. First of all, how are you? Happy Labor Day weekend. How are things? How you feeling? I'm doing well, TJ. I appreciate you having me. How you doing? Uh, I'm trying to hang in there. I've just uh, returned at the time we're talking right now on the podcast from the Dallas-Fort Worth area back into Florida. We've got Hurricane Dorian that's obviously threatening the state, uh, threatening the southeastern United States. Don't know what it's going to do, so we got that looming. And and then we've got kind of like tornadic activity, hurricane activity in and out of the boxing ring. So let's you know segue on to a little bit of that. I, I guess first things first, you've written some this week on Boxing Scene about Sergey Kovalev and the possibility of him fighting Canelo Alvarez uh, upcoming on November the 2nd in what would be a really quick turnaround. We were talking about this earlier in the podcast. It would be something like eight weeks to turn around at 36 years of age and fight a, a fighter that's been resting up. What's your read? How realistic is this? What you you have great insight. What's your read on how how likely it is that we could see Kovalev back in eight weeks fighting Alvarez on that November second date in Las Vegas? It's very likely, TJ, and for one reason, and and it's the reason why guys do a lot of things that they shouldn't do in boxing and in every walk of life for the money. Uh, he's been offered an eight figure purse for this fight. Um, it's by far the most he will have made for a boxing match. Um, and he's at obviously in the twilight of his career. He's 36 years old. He was on the verge of getting knocked out in the eighth round last Saturday against Anthony yard. So he knows this is a fight that he has to take. And while the timing isn't ideal, he'd prefer to take a couple of months off after a long grueling fight last week uh, and really recuperate the right way. Uh, but he's assuming the money is right, which uh, I think they'll get to that point. I'm a little surprised that they haven't already because they had already negotiated before he fought yard, but um, assuming they get to that number that's acceptable to him and to his promoter, Kathy Duva, I think we'll get that fight on November 2nd. Um, they're locked into that date because the zone needs that fight to happen outside of 30 days of the Joshua Ruiz rematch for billing purposes and maintaining subscribers. It's, it's part of their business model and they really want they're demanding basically the, that Canelo fight on that date. Uh, so if Kovalev walks away from it, Canelo will fight someone else on, on November 2nd. Uh, Kovalev realizes that, and I think that's why he, he knows he can't he can't afford, literally and figuratively, to walk away from this payday twice within a five or six week span. Yeah, and and obviously, uh, in in his title defenses, you could combine probably two or three of them, or maybe three or four of them, and they might not add up to what he could potentially make in this fight. So the financial part of it, we understand, uh, we get. 
the thing that I'm curious about is the Kovalev camp, um, uh, Klimas, the the manager and the camp, they complained that the offer wasn't good enough the first time around. So do we believe that they were risking on the, betting on themselves, essentially? Hey, let's go out, win the yard fight, have more leverage. What what do we believe on why the offer wasn't good enough when when this fight could have been made maybe a month or two ago? Well, the offer eventually was good enough. The problem was the timing was terrible because at that point, um, you know, they started off offering four million dollars, and that wasn't going to get it done, obviously. So maybe I'm not sure if that's what Agus Klimas was referring to. You know, the, the first offer that was made, but you know, they continued negotiating, and the number went significantly higher than that. So. Um, basically three times as much as that. So, so there was a lot more money on the table, but the problem was, yeah, the, the Kovalev yard fight had already been announced in Russia. It had already been postponed once it was supposed to happen on June 29th. It was a fight in Kovalev's hometown. Yep. There were, there was a Russian, uh, investment group involved in this and they allowed them to postpone it the first time that they were even allowed. They would even have allowed Kovalev to walk away from it a second time had they not already announced the fight for August 24th and put tickets on sale. Once that happened, he kind of felt like he could not walk away from it at that point. And even though the yard fight was a dangerous fight, especially with a huge payday hanging in the balance, he did not want to do that at that point because it was literally three between three and four weeks away from the fight. He felt like he couldn't do that at that point. So even though the money was right uh, when Golden Boy upped its offer to what it eventually did, he just felt like the timing was not right for him to do that, and he took the chance that he could beat Anthony Yard and remain in position to fight Canelo. He he, <laughs> he went about it in a very difficult way, but here he is in position to make a career-high payday, and again, I don't think he'll walk away from it again. It certainly is dramatic, and you and I cover other sports. You've covered other sports. I cover other sports, but boxing is unlike other sports because one punch can change everything, and he clearly, last Saturday at the time we're talking Kovalev, the 36-year-old champ, was in trouble in his home country, hometown, home arena, home crowd, um, and maybe a more experienced fighter would have put him away. But it, it, he escaped, he found a way to rally and outlast Yard and get the win, and now he's going to get that payday. I'm just concerned. How concerned are you at 36 for his safety? Money, we understand. Money is the motivation, but I'm just asking you your opinion. Are you concerned uh, with this turnaround that, that Canelo, a younger, more rested fighter, we could be in for something serious here, or maybe you're not concerned? Well, Assuming he gets the battery of tests that he will get and he passes those tests and, and the fight obviously wouldn't move forward if he doesn't pass those tests, but he'll have an MRI or a CAT scan or both. And, and they'll do extensive testing to make sure that he's okay for this quick turnaround. Now, assuming he is, I don't fear for his long-term safety other than I would going into any other fight, you know, just the inherent danger of boxing in general, but, uh, but I don't think he's going to win the fight. I think there's a reason why Canelo Alvarez opened as a four or five to one favorite uh, on some of these internet uh, betting sites because he, he's not he's younger, he's fresher, and although yep. he's moving up to two weight classes, he's already fought at super middleweight and demolished Rocky Fielding. Even this diminished version of Kovalev, I feel, is much better than Rocky Fielding, but his punch resistance isn't the same. He doesn't seem to have the same same snap on his right hand that he once had. And he's clearly in the twilight of his career, uh, maybe a B-level fighter at this point on his best day than an elite-level fighter that he once was. But he has a, a good reputation, uh, you know, has accomplished a lot in the sport, and Kovalev will get credit you know, for 
what technically would be a win in a, in a, a, a world title in a fourth weight class. So, but I do think that Canelo would be a, a heavy favorite going into the fight, as the odd makers have indicated already. And I think that will play out in the ring November 2nd. Interesting. Again, the voice of Keith Heideck. He is with me from BoxingScene.com. It's part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Love his insight uh, on uh, on fights that are going to be uh, in the in the in the distance or in the near future, I promise we'll get to Lomachenko Campbell and the World Unified Lightweight Showdown that is coming in England on Saturday night UK time, Saturday afternoon US time in a couple of moments. So you have also written uh, late in this week about Demetrius Andre, the WBO middleweight champion, and how he's kind of the odd man out on trying to get a big time name to fight him. And I really liked in your piece that, hey, he he thought he had saddled his horse up. Let, let's go like the whole Western route. He had saddled his horse up with the right with the right group of cowboys and, and went with DAZN thinking, I'm going to get my shot at Alvarez, who signed with DAZN, or with Golovkin, who signed with DAZN. But so far, it has not materialized, and it does not look like that it will materialize. I put the one caveat that we keep hearing that if Kovalev can't agree, won't agree – that maybe Andrade ends up in the ring with Canelo on November 2nd. What You wrote about this. What do you make of this? Is he just the odd man out for the rest of this calendar year and for a while? It sure looks like it, TJ, unfortunately, for Demetrius Andrade. But he, uh, yes, he is in the mix if they can't make the Kovalev fight, but I, I do think they'll make that fight. But the zone would, would welcome him fighting Canelo Alvarez. He, you know, he's an undefeated world champion, a very tricky guy to fight. Uh, you know, he's no... He's avoided it. It's not that people don't think that they could beat him. He's just, it's just not really worth the trouble monetarily and stylistically for guys to fight him. And, that, and that's, you know, that in, invites criticism for guys like Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin, neither of whom has been willing to fight him thus far. Um, but I do think he's in a kind of a bad position here. They're, they'll keep him busy. I mean, the zone will give him a fight toward the end of the year, obviously, and, and he'll defend his title and what would be an optional defense because Golovkin is, is technically is the number one contender, the mandatory contender for his title. So um, he's he's in a good spot in the sense that he's being paid well for these fights and they are keeping him busy, but he's 31 years old. He's getting toward the back end of his physical prime here. And, you know, he really thought when he signed with the zone in matchroom boxing that he would at least get one of these career defining fights by now. And now he's, 13 or 14 months into signing those contracts and, and he still hasn't. So I'm sure it's frustrating for him, but he's just going to have to wait it out and, uh, and just hope that one of these guys eventually fights him. I, I don't know how close he is to that actually happening, unfortunately for him, because, you know, all these middleweights are tied up right now uh, with other fights and then have, you know, plans for subsequent fights. And I don't think that he's in the, in the mix for those either. Gotcha. All right, I'm just having fun with this. Scale of 1 to 10. 1 is no shot. 0. 10 is it absolutely happens. 1 to 10, he gets in front of Canelo Alvarez at some point in the next year. 1 to 10. It's what? Uh, 2. <laughs> All right, fun. Uh, Gennady Golovkin, <laughs> you wrote about this. Again, 1 no shot, 10 it absolutely happens. Can he get a fight with Golovkin in the next year by August of next year? 1, 6, 3, what do you think? Uh, I'll keep it at about a 2. I think that's fair wow. for, both, for both of those fights. Wow. Yeah. So he Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd like to see him get a shot, but I just I just think there's other options for those guys and 
Okay. He's such a high risk, low reward. So, like you wrote, though, he fight. may he may just need to move up to one sixty eight and fight a couple of those guys yeah. that might be willing to fight him, and that may be an option for him. He seemed to be willing, right? That may be the option for Andrew. Yeah, and he's a and he's a tall guy too. He's six foot one. He's a pretty big middleweight, so I, I think he could move up to one sixty eight and and be a successful fighter there. And Dazone does have some good fighters. I mean, not necessarily star fighters. On well, there's no one really on the level of Canelo Alvarez, but they not quite on that level, obviously, but good fighters, Callum Smith, you know, Billy Joe Saunders is a fight that was supposed to right. take place with Demetrius Andrade last October. He's now with the zone. Uh, he signed with matchroom boxing and the zone earlier this month. He has the WBO super middleweight title. Maybe that's a fight they could put back together again. There would be some intrigue there because he failed a uh, PED test before that fight. So maybe, you know, they're not quite the high profile fights that he wants, but if he fought Billy Joe Saunders or Callum Smith or someone, you know, someone on, on that level, I think uh, you know he'd be paid well for it, and it would be an intriguing fight, but just not really what he's looking for. All right, a couple moments left. Lomachenko-Campbell, O2 Arena in London. We've been talking about it already on the podcast. We'll talk about it a little bit more. You guys are writing about it on Boxing Scene. It is the biggest fight of this weekend, uh, not just in the U.K. or Europe, but even in this country. Lomachenko, a tremendous talent. All right, to you, do you give Luke Campbell? Home country will be behind him. Home country boxing fans, he'll have a partisan crowd behind him. Does he have a realistic shot here, or are we talking about another dominant Lomachenko performance? I don't think it'll be anything resembling what happened between Lomachenko and Anthony Kralla in his last fight. It was a mandatory fight and was sort of laughable, honestly, but... Uh, you know, Luke Campbell's a better fighter than that, but I don't, I don't think he'll win the fight. I mean, and, and the times when Luke Campbell has stepped up to the top, top level when he fought Jorge Linares in particular, um, he, he accounted him. He gave a good account of himself in that fight. He got knocked down early, got cut early, yet came back and made it a very competitive fight and lost a split decision. But I don't think he's good enough to beat Lomachenko. He, he's a very good technical boxer and he's probably about three or four inches bigger than Lomachenko. He's much bigger than him has a good size advantage, and as you said, TJ, he's fighting in front of his home crowd, a, a sellout crowd of about 18,000 at O2 Arena. He, you know, he's British. He's, he's maybe the best British amateur in the in the history of boxing. Um, so he'll have the crowd behind him. Uh, the, the judges are all uh, you know, neutral judges. None are from the UK. None are from the uh, Ukraine. So um, I just don't, I think the fight will go the distance. I mean, Luke Campbell is, has shown to have a pretty good chin. And he, he's never been stopped. And obviously Lomachenko's never been stopped. So I see the fight going the distance. I just think Lomachenko still in his physical prime, such a unique talent, such an amazing athlete, great footwork, great ring IQ, great hand speed. I just don't think Luke Campbell has an, he, he, he won't get embarrassed in this fight, but I don't think he'll win either. All right. Does he have enough punch? Really? I mean, I, I've seen him a little bit here and there on the internet and the highlights. Not world-class fighters. Does he have enough punch to threaten uh, and maybe hurt Lomachenko? Or it's it's not really that likely that, that, that a punch could really change the dynamic of this fight? He would have to successfully outbox, outmaneuver him over the long haul. I think he does have enough power to impact Lomachenko, particularly because Lomachenko is a very small lightweight. He really he should be fighting at 130 pounds and and they say that he even could still make 126. I'm not sure about that, but that's two full weight classes below lightweight. So he's, he's a small guy for the weight class. I think that was evident in his fight against Lenaris. Now Lenaris is a pretty good puncher, but he knocked Lomachenko down in that fight. And I think that was maybe a wake up call for Lomachenko and his team 
that, hey, maybe you should move back down to 130 at some point if you're able, you know, he's going to try to unify all the lightweight titles. But there was talk before that about him moving up to 140, and I think that kind of let them know, hey, this is about the limit for us. We can't keep going up because then he's just giving away too much size and too much strength, and he's going to get knocked out by someone who's much bigger than him. So I think, uh, you know, he, he might go back down at some point. But I think because Campbell is much bigger than him, and probably will outweigh him in the ring by a significant amount. I think his power could, you know, he could clip Lomachenko with something, maybe knock him down too. But, but again, I just think Lomachenko is so good and so dialed in. Uh, I, I think he'll win this fight convincingly. I think the same thing. But hey, it's boxing's so while you line up and watch. Again, as we were as we were saying earlier in our conversation, we've said it on this podcast. You've written about it. We said it this week. Yard had Kovalev in trouble. You never in his home country, hometown. You never know. Uh, what will happen uh, once they step through and a punch can change that and the dynamic. This guy will clip you. You better watch out for Keith Eidick. Eidick Boxing on Twitter. <laughs> Promote away, too. I love your stuff on Boxing Scene. Promote away, please. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, my uh, handle on Twitter is at uh, Eidick Boxing and uh, BoxingScene.com. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, we put a lot of content up there every day, and I uh, appreciate you reading, TJ. I appreciate you reaching out, and uh, you know, good luck to you with all the weather down there. I know it's uh, tough to go through those things so good luck to you and your family man yes we are getting ready for lomachenko campbell saturday afternoon u.s time saturday night prime time in london lightweight championship fight we're breaking that down and we're looking into all that's going on with the sweet science uh, right now news wise rumors fights and marquise johns helps me sort it all out he is back here from bigfightweekend.com he is the lead writer the purveyor of that site how you feeling as we head into the final weekend of August, sir? Pretty good, TJ. Looking forward to the big weekend and, of course, Lomachenko mania going on this weekend. All right, so London is the site. Luke Campbell is the, the hometown or the home country hero, if you will. Uh, we were just talking to David Payne earlier in the podcast. He's there in the U.K. He gives Campbell a chance. I don't know how much of a chance to you. What kind of a chance does Campbell at 20 and 2 have against arguably the best pound for pound fighter right now in the world? What do you think? Probably a puncher's chance, TJ, like everyone's been saying so far. I'm pretty sure with Campbell that he's been training hard for this. He mentioned at one point during this press run of this that he's been training against three people at one time, like the Transporter movies. So we'll see if that works out in the <laughs> ring against Lomachenko. It's going to be interesting in regards to that as well with Lomachenko, just because his conditioning is arguably is something of, of a different animal, TJ. I mean, I mean, at weekend.com, we've been reporting about it constantly, about he's been playing tennis, he's doing <laughs> un- underwater underwater feats. It's, it's just a different animal with Lomachenko. And it, we'll see if, uh, if Campbell can hold up to it, but as studies have shown in the last few opponents against uh, Lomachenko, they all have pretty much started off sort of like they're in the ring, and then by about the third or fourth round, they all seem to have fallen to the canvas. So all right, we'll so on that point, you wrote about that earlier this week. I mean, one thing you figure out uh, when you're an opponent of his, he's very difficult to hit. And so that frustrates you, and it gets you almost uh, recklessly trying to hit him, and then he counters you. Uh, isn't that as big a key here that Campbell is going to have to solve that riddle and quickly on how do you hit Lomachenko? Absolutely, because only Lenars has figured out essentially how to 
hit Olenchik with, with a lucky shot in regards to angles and, and positioning. And the, the last few opponents, especially Sosa, even Krola, even mentioned when he was in the ring with him that he thought he had a chance, and then it just slowly disappeared, and Lobachenko was hitting from all sides left and right up and down. Well, well, I'm looking forward with Campbell to see if he can actually pull this off because this fight, TJ, for this, this, this vacant WBC light heavyweight belt, it's kind, of, it's kind of a small piece of the puzzle here. The bigger piece of the puzzle is if Haney, if not Haney, but if Campbell wins this fight, essentially it's a it's in boxing politics 101. It goes back to the side of matchroom boxing for the title in their hands, and Campbell will more than likely face uh, Devin Haney or in Zura Abdullah in their total eliminator for their for that, for that side of, of the fence. Right. If Lomachenko wins, will he will he will have to sit and wait around to see if he faces either Richard Kami or Tiafimo Lopez on that side of it on the Terrence Crawford card later on in December. Okay, and so just to keep it all straight, Lomachenko is promoted by top rank as well. They kind of cohabitated, did a deal with Matchroom uh, Boxing yes. over in the UK and Eddie Hearn's promotion. So if Lomachenko wins, you believe the next fight will be that Comey Farmer fight that is on the undercard, allegedly not announced yet, of the Terrence Crawford December 14th show. That would be looming here. Uh, and again, at that point, Lomachenko has all the belts and would need only one more to be undisputed lightweight champion. Um, so we'll we'll see how that uh, how that part uh, plays out in this, and and will the partisan crowd uh, root on uh, Luke Campbell to a possible upset or a possible win on the undercard? Younger brother of Tyson Fury, Huey Fury, fighting against Alexander Povetkin who's the disgraced Russian contender that's failed a couple of drug tests, was knocked out last year by Anthony Joshua, so he's back in there in kind of the co-feature on this card. What, what else strikes you here, that fight or, or what else? Uh, I, I know that, uh, that David Payne was mentioning Boutsy, the, the light heavyweight contender, is also on this card, uh, that ESPN Plus is showing, that, that Sky Sports Boxing is showing on pay-per-view in the U.K. What else intrigues you on the undercard real quick? Those fights are intriguing as well. Another card I'll, I'll mention that as well. I just wrote about for BigFightWeekend.com as well. Savannah Marshall's on the very undercard as well. I think she's going to open up this whole this whole extravaganza out in London. She's facing some favorable opposition, and if she wins, more than likely she's going to get on the microphone and call out Clarissa Shields again because she is the last person to beat Clarissa Shields. And we'll see that at, at some point comes to fruition somewhere down the line. All right. So again, that's the undercards there. Um, okay, I've not had a chance to talk to you about Kovalev's victory over An- uh, uh, Anthony Yard last week, the un-Britain but, uh, unbeaten but kind of untested, unheralded Brit. So Kovalev at 36, outlasted him, stopped him, and now all the talk is can Kovalev on a quick turnaround fight and be effective, be rested enough to fight Canelo Alvarez if, if, underline, exclamation point, if Alvarez actually wants to make the deal and fight him on November 2nd. So first, your reaction to Kovalev uh, having to battle and hang in there and win last week. What about that? It was a pretty good fight last week and with Kovalev and Yarde, actually. It was actually closer than I expected. I expected Yarde to actually be stopped a lot sooner and a lot faster. But Yarde was able to hang in there until essentially he ran out of gas in the later rounds and there was rumors of him not uh, not sparring or conditioning for the fight, which, if that was the case, it clearly wasn't. It was clearly on display at the very end of it when he got jabbed to sleep, and against Kovalev. I'm intrigued with Kovalev because even with Yarde, Yarde got to the body of Kovalev, and that's the one thing that everyone in their grandma will tell you about Canelo Alvarez. If this fight happens, how soon can Canelo attack the body of Kovalev, and how fast it will happen? 
couple more minutes with Marquise Johns, BigFightWeekend.com, the lead writer. I know you wrote, uh, heading to the weekend, that Pauli Malinaji, the two-time world champ, Showtime boxing analyst, he's dismissing this whole Canelo-Kovalev talk. Uh, and, and basically, he is, but read between the lines, putting out there that, look, if Canelo was fighting as recently as a year ago at 154, a year and a half ago at 154, for him to now effectively fight at 175, that's just not normal. That's not natural. That's that's performance enhanced. So Malinaji is saying, I don't, I don't want to see this fight. I don't care about this fight because, to me, it's tainted. What, what do you make of his analysis? Will we see this fight? Will it happen eight weeks from now? What is your thought? I think in terms of Kovalev's camp, now they're all saying beforehand that this all is done doing that the money's correct. And as you know, TJ, it's prize fighting where the money comes in. As long as the money's there, the fight shows up. And it's funny that Malaji mentioned that because Malaji, for once, has an angle. I know some folks are always quick to dismiss some of being, you know, complaining and moaning. But the one thing he did mention is that it is, TJ, two weight classes up, and it is not natural. It just, just let's be honest, that's... And it, the quote, the, um, not and by himself, the way, said, if, if I can interject, it's not just two weight classes like moving up from featherweight to lightweight where it's nine pounds. In this case, it would be from 154 to 175. That's 21 pounds to hit the bigger man. Uh, it's, you know, I, I understand that there are some that are going to question whether you can do that naturally and effectively. I, I'm worried, though, that Kovalev was in such a battle that isn't there a safety concern for him to turn right around and fight eight weeks later against a guy that's been resting up? Apparently his his camp says no, but again, they want the money, right? They want the money, TJ, and I I, I have the same concern to you as well with that, mainly because when, when you're facing someone who's been as well-rested as Canelo at this point, Canelo hasn't been fought since Cinco de Mayo weekend back in May, and he's been essentially plotting and scheming to see who he wants to face next. It seems like down the line he's been waiting on Kovalev this entire time. And if Kovalev is in the shape that he was in after this fight with Yarde, it may just not be a good look for for Kovalev on his end. But he's, he was mentioning before the fight that he has an opportunity at generational wealth uh, with, against Canelo Alvarez, and that's what we all know is a big payday. So they're going to take the money and run with well, this. Well, yeah, it's an eight-figure payday. It's probably $10 million guaranteed. Tough to walk away from. I know you got to go in a minute. we got uh, we got Alvarez's older brother against uh, Irislandi Lara, the Cuban-American. That's the main event on the PBC show this weekend as well, right? I mean, you're intrigued by that one also this weekend. I am. I'm interested with Lara. Uh, Lara's back in, back in action again this weekend for, at the Armory in Minneapolis for the vacant uh, WBC Super Welterweight belt. This belt at this point, TJ, they can't give this man this belt at this point. He, he was in action last go round uh, <laughs> earlier this year against uh, Brian Castano on the Showtime card. That that was fought to a competitive draw. Actually, it was very actually was a pretty solid fight. They, in that fight, they threw sixteen hundred punches. Alvarez and, and Lardy on the recent episode of PBC's Face to Face were saying that someone's going to get knocked out to each other's face. You know the usual fight hype. Right. And I don't, I don't see this going to be the, the uh, extravaganza or the 1,600 punches that were flowing between Lauren Castano as opposed to this one with, with Alvarez. I, surprisingly, TJ, Alvarez is in this title shot for his belt, which is vacant because Castano just dropped it and walked away from it. Alvarez is 6-3-1 and one in his last nine fights, the ten fights, yet he's <laughs> in, in against Lauren this weekend, this Saturday for this fight. So we'll see what happens with that one. That's the main event on this card. Mainly it's the main event, uh, TJ, you know, by default, because the original main event, I think, personally, was the Peter Quillen, Kid Chocolate versus Caleb Truex card right. uh, fight, because it's in Truex's hometown, but once again, Truex got, had to pull out because of injury. So we'll see what happens with that one. I am looking forward to this fight, TJ, because on, uh, for, for, for this PBC card, this PBC card's looking a lot better than the one that they had out in Texas last Saturday, where the main event of 
Brandon Heartbreaker Figueroa was fighting a guy in sneakers and Javier Chacon wearing uh, casual Adidas walkers. <laughs> Wasn't much of a main event in that one. We'll see if the PBC main event is better. Plug away. They can read a bunch. Previews, news, breaking news, recaps, historical perspectives, all at Big Fight Weekend. Right, Marquise? Absolutely, TJ. BigFightWeekend.com, your website for all things boxing, past, present, and future. You can find me there as well, reviewing everything as well in the fights over the weekend. You can also find me on Twitter at Radio. still putting up TJ, my lineal pound-for-pound Twitter handle on the line as always, <laughs> until someone challenges me for it. I'm always there. I'm always on there talking about the fight, seeing what's going on, uh, any any musings, rants, reviews, any any observations that I have. It's fun stuff. More welcome to chat with you on it. Also, with this fight this weekend, TJ, deep... Now, now that these fights are out the way in August, we now get to September, and w- w- after the Labor Day weekend, the, all the real it's officially fight season. You know, all, all, the, all the real big fights coming down the yeah, line. This fall going to have yeah some interesting ones, and you're going to have it all over the site again. Follow him at Week Sauce Radio. Follow at Big Fight Weekend on Twitter for all the news, all the different stories that we have. Marquise, I always love it. I gotta I gotta run here. I know you gotta run as well. Let's see what happens with the fights, sir. Absolutely, TJ. Thanks for having me on as always. And that will do it for this edition of the podcast. Again, Lomachenko-Campbell, the main event coming Saturday afternoon, long about 5 Eastern time, somewhere in the 5 Eastern time hour. Adjust your time zone accordingly. Prime time in the UK, Sky Sports has the pay-per-view. ESPN Plus has it in the United States with the coverage of the call. Will Lomachenko dominate yet again? Or will Luke Campbell, as our guests have been talking about, Uh, formulate some kind of a plan and be able to challenge Lomachenko here in this fight. We're anxious to watch all of it unfold. I I like Lomachenko to win this one, and he may even win it early in the first four or five rounds of the fight. I don't know that it'll be a first or second round knockout, but he may get to Campbell early and often in this, wear him down. He's that good. He's that talented. Uh, let's see if it is that kind of performance here on this. I want to thank our guests again for being with me. David Payne, the boxing writer in the UK. Boxingwriter.co.uk is his website. Uh, also, Keith Eidek uh, from uh, BoxingScene.com, senior writer and columnist there. And Marquise Johns, the purveyor, the senior uh, writer for BigFightWeekend.com, previewing the action this weekend, talking about uh, fights coming up in the future. It's what we do. You can go to the BigFightWeekend.com website anytime and keep up with what What's going on for the upcoming weekend preview mode, recap mode, historical perspective. All of that is part of our sister of the website, BigFightWeekend.com. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll be back again soon. If it's a big fight that's happening, we will talk about it here as part of Big Fight Weekend.